0: Uh, when I started uh, this uh, series, <clears throat> it was actually just a thought based on a, a sermon uh, that I was listening to uh, back in september and and there was something that was said during that <clears throat> sermon that I thought, wow, that's that's really great. I just I want to do a sermon kind of off of that that one idea. And so I thought, you know, what I really want to get to is the fact that the greatest thing is not that God is for us. The greatest thing is that God is... Wait, wait, I don't I don't want to give that away just yet. But I was thinking about that and I thought, well, if God is not just, just for us. You know, He's also like above us. And so I thought, okay, so here's how the sermon's going to go. I was laying out my mind. I was like, you know what, it's awesome that God is above us and God is before us and God is behind us and God is under us, but isn't it great that God is? And I thought... Well, I, I probably need to unpack that just a little bit more. What does it mean when we talk about God is above us? Because we always think, oh, well, you know, He's in heaven, you know, and that's above us. And so when I say God is above, you immediately think, oh, well, that's it. But, but, but He's not just above in like the physical type of sense. He's also above us in a, like a hierarchical sense that God is above. He is over. He's greater than us. And so then I felt like, wow, well, I probably should talk a little bit about that. And then I, I thought, well, what about the idea that God is ahead of us? Well, in one sense, it means that, that He's leading the way, but also implies that we are then following Him. And if He is ahead of us, it means that He already knows what's there. And so we know that He has secured our future. And then there's this idea that God is behind us, and that's a little confusing. But as as you'll remember, we talked about how the Israelites, when leaving Egypt, God was ahead of them in in the pillar, but then He went to be behind them. And that not only kind of pushed them forward, but that also helped them know that they need not be afraid. And so when we talk about this idea that God is behind us, we have no reason to fear. He is our rear guard. And then, of course, there's the idea that God is under us, and that makes us all feel a little uneasy, I hope. But it's the sense that He is, he is carrying us, He is holding us up during difficult times. And ultimately, we got to last week the idea that God is for, and we all wanted to end that sentence with us, that God is for us, But as we talked, we realized that God is for salvation. That's what God is for. God is for deliverance. Helping people out of their captivity, out of their bondage, into salvation. That's what God is for. God is for redemption. God is also for love. That's what He's for. God is for mercy. And God is for forgiveness. And sometimes we so quickly want to call Him our own and say God is for us that we forget that God is for love. And we have to be careful because we can find ourselves standing on our soapbox thinking about the the ways that God is, is, is for us and what God is for and we forget that God is for love. Yes, God is for truth. God is for faithfulness. God has created these laws in which we are to live in but in expressing those laws and trying to, to follow those laws, if we, forget, if, we, if we forget about love and mercy and only say, well, God is for me, and therefore I can bludgeon you with this truth, then we've really forgotten who God is really for. Yes, He's a God who is for faithfulness, And He is a God who is for obedience. And He is a God who is for trust. But then we get the kicker. Really what the whole series was based on. It's awesome to have a God who's for us. Right? We want a God who's for us. But even more than that, I want a God who is with us. I heard a preacher share this several months ago when it just made the gears start turning in my brain and I started to ask myself, I did a little self-reflection, and I said, what do I really want? Do I want a God who is for me or do I want a God who is with me? You see, those are two really different things. I think we're all comfortable with the idea of having a God who's for us. For us in the way that we want Him to be for us. But what if God says, I choose to be with you? Be comfortable with this idea. Do we want a relationship or, or do we want somebody who will simply give us whatever we want? Yeah, parenting is not easy. When it first started off, we were scared, but it didn't seem too difficult. You know, we had this little bitty thing that we brought home from the hospital, and there was the spit-ups, and there was the crying, and but it was It was fun and exciting. And by the time they were pre-teens, we thought, we've got this down. And then it got a little more complicated. And it got a little more difficult. I started losing hair. Not just because it was falling out. Sometimes I was pulling it out. And it got really tough, and we started having to deal with how do we really raise kids? And not to embarrass my youngest daughter, but I mean, it's kind of what I'm supposed to do, so we're, we're, we're in a wrestling match right now. She is in fourth grade. She's 10 years old. Folks, she's nearly grown up. I mean, she knows what life is like. She also knows that out of the 20 kids in her classroom, she is one of only two kids who doesn't have a phone. And so we have a conversation daily about the fact that she doesn't have a phone. And so we struggle with the idea of how can we be for this child but not necessarily give her everything that she wants. And I think she struggles a little bit too with the idea of how could... How could you say that you love me and be good parents and refuse, me, refuse something that everybody else has and it's something that I need? And so we've been going back and forth about saying, hey, we, you know, just because that we love you does not mean that we can give you everything. Because we know what happens when 10, 11, and 12-year-olds get those devices in their hands and all of a sudden the whole world is now literally at their fingertips and there are a lot of people who would just love to have an opportunity to corrupt And so we really wrestle with that and I, I, I say hey, you know I'm I'm with you I understand your struggle you do not you don't know what it's like you have no idea sweetheart I didn't have a phone when I was your age <laughs> No one did, unless it had a cord and it was bolted onto the kitchen wall. That was it. I want to say, is you know, I'm not always going to be for you in the sense that I'm going to give you everything that you want, but I want you to know I'm always going to be with you. And so we have this same situation with God. You see, one thing that I want us to really focus in on is that God being with us is far better than God being for us. But it also means that we don't always get the life that we dreamed of. But make no mistake, There is nothing better than having a God who is with us. It is what Christmas is all about. In a couple weeks, we're going to kind of delve into the, the name Emmanuel. But that was the greatest proclamation that this world ever would hear, is that God would be with us. And that is exciting and it's comforting and it might be a little scary too to think that we have a God who is with us but this morning I want to remind us that there are some things to consider when we say that we serve a God who is with us and the first is this God is with us whether we know it whether we like it, whether we feel it, or whether we are deserving of it. You know, many good, faithful, honest people have testified at different points in their life they, they felt the presence of God. I don't know that I would list myself as as good or faithful, but I can say this. I can remember very vividly a time in my life where I, I felt the presence of God. I was in Texas. It's God's favorite state, right? I was in Galveston. Not the most beautiful coastline. I was in Galveston. I was there in March. We were there for a a youth minister's conference. I had served as a youth minister for several years. Prior to that, I had gone to a Christian university where I studied youth and family ministry, where we had daily chapels. Before that, I had gone to a private school from fourth grade until my senior year where we also had a Bible class every day and we had a chapel every day I grew up in a home that when the doors of the church building were open I was there when they were closed and locked in it was probably because my family was still in there my mom was a teacher and my dad was a deacon and we were just always there I grew up in the church it's what I, we were the beaver cleaver family I have pictures of me and my two older brothers no joke in our little Three-piece suits. I had the baby blue one. I was the youngest. My hair going up all just like it does now. We were always there. I don't know that there were very many people who, who knew more about the Bible or at least had, had been around people who knew, knew more about the Bible. In third grade we were expected to be able to recite and spell all the books of the Bible and there's some tough ones in there we had memory verses we had Bible bowls I mean I had this perfect pedigree of of being taught the Bible and being around people who loved the Bible and you fast forward and I'm sitting at in the top of this hotel in Galveston. It, I mean, it wasn't scraping the sky, but it was, it was big for me. And I was up there, and it was really early in the morning. And I had gotten up, and I had gone just so I could look out over the ocean and just spend some time in prayer. And I prayed the prayer that I had prayed most of my life. I am so sorry. God, I love you. Please forgive me. I wish you could love me. It was my heart broke, my my heartfelt prayer that I'd had for most of my life. And you can call me a liar, you can say it didn't happen. But in that moment, on that morning, all by myself in this it was this big open like banquet room, and I was the only one there. And I felt the presence of God. And and I I heard him in me say, you are mine. And I love you. And you are forgiven. And I would love to tell you that that changed my life right then and there. But I still wrestle with the idea that I could be loved and forgiven by a God who created me a God who's with me, and a God who knows what I think and how I live my life. And so this idea of God being with us, in some way, I want to say, yeah, there are times that we can sense God's love, and some of you may have had times in your life where you felt His presence, but I'm here to tell you that I don't think that's how it always works. I'm now in my 40s, And I can only think of a handful of times less than that where where I can say, oh yes, that's when I really felt and sensed God being with me. And so I want you to know that, that God doesn't always announce His presence. You don't wake up in the morning and get that tap and say, hey, I'm right here. Oftentimes we just... We just don't know. When I proclaim that God is with us, that also doesn't mean that His blessings are there as evidence of His presence. You know what I'm saying by that? Are are you following along with me? What I'm saying is, just because God is with you doesn't mean that everything works out the way you want it to and that's really troubling isn't it it's really troubling to think that if I have the Almighty God the Creator he's with me he has the ability to do whatever he wants why is he fixing some of these things this is a really broken world we talked about several weeks ago in class how at one point Jesus was indignant he was annoyed he was angry at what was going on around him. And there's a lot of speculation in that class we talked about. Like, why would he have been angry or annoyed? Why, why would he have been indignant? This guy comes up to him and says, if you're willing, you can heal me. And the NIV says that Jesus was annoyed. He was indignant. He was angry. He was upset about it. Why so? Maybe because Jesus was frustrated that no one else would help this man. So much so that this guy didn't even think that Jesus would help him. Listen, I'm, it takes me about three minutes of skimming over the newspaper and I can be indignant. Because the world's not working the way I want it to go. The world is not following God. They're not worshiping God. They're not even acknowledging His presence. The creator of this world has become a punchline and a name we use when we're mad. And so God being with us doesn't mean that everything is the way we want it. You know, in rewatching the, the Chosen uh, series, I've, I've made so many plugs for this, but I'll make another one. It's just great to watch. There's one scene that I really loved. I, I believe it was between Nicodemus and his wife. And, and they had this conversation, and, and, and Nicodemus says, um, God does not just, I'm, I'm summarizing, I'm paraphrasing, God does not just show up when we are on a difficult path sometimes he is the one who has led us to it and I think about that a lot that that God being with us not only does he not fix things sometimes he puts us in some really difficult situations he did with the Israelites before he would part the waters he led them to a place where they were going to be trapped in if he didn't part those waters but this morning I want to do something a little different. I want us to meditate, to think on, to just mull over the belief that God is with us. Let me say this real quickly, though. This is not some way to magically summon him. Okay, we're not, he's not a genie and we're not rubbing a lamp. This is not even so that we can sense His presence, that we can feel it. It's just simply this. It's so that we can be more aware that He is with us. Even when we don't feel it, even when we don't sense it, even when it's not accompanied by blessings and trumpets and a host of angels, I just want us to to just rest in the, the peace and knowing that God is with us. And so I want to read from uh, one of uh, David's psalms. It's one that I, I read through quite a bit, especially around funerals. To me, I find it so comforting. And so I want to spend just a few minutes in Psalm 139. I want you to just think about these. Let these words seep into your heart. And just be aware that God is with us. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out And my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind, and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. if I say, Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be how precious to me are your thoughts oh God how vast is the sum of them if I were to count them they would outnumber the grains of sand when I am awake I am still with you this is the part I usually skip because you know it just doesn't really fit in with funerals you don't really want to talk about this and so you kind of jump down but I don't want to on this one what I love about this is this next sec- section reminds us that even when God is with us things can just not be going the way that we want them but that doesn't mean he's absent if only you would slay the wicked Oh God Away from me, bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Even in his struggles. Even when he's surrounded by enemies, he says, I know that you're still here.